Welcome to the midweek Mission Ridge podcast known as Footnotes. Footnotes is here to give you some of the stuff that we didn't have time to cover in the sermon and encourage you to dig in deeper as you study the text. So let's dive in and check out what's in the footnotes. Footnotes. Act 1. Scene 1. Take 1. Action. Welcome to another episode of Footnotes. Glad to have you with us. This week on the podcast, we got Rob Croyle. Hello. Jacob Croyle. Hey there. Son of Rob. And myself, Logan. Hi, Logan. We're all here. We're going to record uh, some ramblings and extra supplementary material for you this week. Talk yes, about we some are. stuff. It'll be yeah. uh, clar- maybe clarify some things from the sermon, possibly. Who knows? It'll mm. be a wild time. Hang on tight, kids. First thing out of the gate. We want to start small. Speaking of kids. Speaking of kids. uh, We want to start small. If you weren't there on Sunday, you may have noticed on the recording that there's one Thea Patterson that decided to come join in the sermon and commentate, uh, answer Rob's rhetorical questions, as you would. At one point, she gets very loud. That's because she ran up to the stage to clarify (laughs) the point because Rob didn't understand what she was saying. Oh, man. Uh... I think she might have been slain in the spirit, but I'm not sure. <laughs> I think I think she was killing Molly, that's for sure. <laughs> I, Molly was slain in the spirit. Yeah. I was sitting behind Molly. Molly, I love you. You're you're a wonderful human being. I'm sorry you're gonna be embarrassed now. But I was sitting behind her and I could tell that she like went completely like pale and then beat red when Thea first spoke up and then second went running up to the stage. It was hilarious. Well, Molly, for perspective, Molly was sitting about as far away from. Yeah, it was the opposite side of the room. Opposite side of the room. It was hilarious. Further away. Uh, You know, she was sitting with my wife and. Thea was. Thea was. And I'm not sure why my wife didn't help. (laughs) (laughs) Usually would have. She was also mortified. (laughs) Everyone was mortified that this poor little five year old was going to just have a call and response <laughs> session with Rob during the sermon. It was hilarious. She was paying attention. She was. No was one else great. was paying attention. If we had a spare mic, I would have mic'd her. But <laughs> yeah, you know, I think there's sometimes there's attention too. Like, do you have your kids in service? Do you not have them in? Sure. And uh you know, here's here's the deal from my perspective. Do they bring a little chaos to the scene sometimes? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Is that chaos completely okay? Oh, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and I I remember being that young parent, and I, I could probably, if I reach way back in the time machine, probably feel all the feels that Molly felt. But... Um, like 30 years ago? <laughs> how old are you, son? Not 30. Yeah, you're not 30. <laughs> uh, you know, Math. I... <laughs> Jacob used to love the mic at Thea's age and younger. And when I would pastor some retirement homes, he had we had to give him his mic time before the service started because if we didn't, he was going to get it sometime. Uh, you know, in those in those small group meetings, whether it's a care group or or during church, sure. and and a kid says something or does something in response to what's going on around him, you're right. I mean, Thea was paying attention. That Dude, she. I- from you'll have to if if anybody else can translate Thea better, I I gave it a listen on the recording a couple of times. And to the best of what I can tell, you had just said something about um not being able to see the thunder. 
Right, right. And that set her off. And she, there was some <laughs> comment about not being able to see thunder. Like, nobody can see the thunder, or it's not possible to thie- see thunder. Possibly something about her brother and the song Thunder. <laughs> not 100% sure. <laughs> So I, and yeah, go and usually I can pick know, up on what but... she's saying every so often. Well, but and she I was she was adamant about this too, oh, and it was the the, yeah. the the like the 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 passion of what she was saying made it all the harder to understand what she was trying to get at. It was hilarious. Uh, yeah, it, it was yeah. funny. I was having. Fun. And then later, she answered your question because you asked a rhetorical question, a rhetorical question, and she just answered it. And uh, I was back by Isaiah, and Isaiah did the same thing, too. So, like, <laughs> let's be honest. How many adults in the service were paying that close attention? Maybe we should be feeling convicted. There we go. <laughs> Take something from the five-year-old. So there you go. That's this yeah. week's shortcomings, because Thea is short, and she came to the stage. Yeah. But You know, it's, yeah, today, when I watch other parents wrestle over those moments, and I'm thinking... Oh, just relax. There, it's okay. Like it's yeah, it's not. The it's end of the not. World. It's not as as embarrassing. Or you know, everybody's been there. They've all had that moment with. If you if you're a parent, you've had that moment with your kid, and so when someone else has a moment, there's a, actually a lot of empathy there. And so oh, I I'm not even a parent, but like I get it. Like I grew up with siblings. I was a kid at some point. Getting further and further ago, but not that long ago. Yeah, like yeah, if it's we, fine. We should have YouTubed it. I mean, if we had a video of this, oh, that would have been the clip of the week right there. Yeah, that was we, hilarious. Yeah, we have blown up the internet with that, so that would have been fun. But yeah, there you go. That's a short. That's the true shortcoming. We didn't. We didn't get a video oh, of uh, Thea engaging with the sermon. That's pretty Thea cool. I mean, bum rushing the stage to <laughs> Brent Billings has been saying he wants us to go to video, so. You know, Brent, we will move to video whenever you move to Missoula. Feel free. And that is an invite. We will hire you for free 50 free. I will pay for moving you with my own effort. All right. There we go. There we are. He's had lots of practice on Rob yeah. and his family. I am an expert now. You don't have near as much crap to move as Rob does. So, done. Count it. It's good. All right. Let's move on to talking a little discipleship. This week for our discipleship moment, discipleship concept, I was I was thinking maybe discipleship concept of the week might be a better title for this. Oh, there we go. Uh, yeah. We're going to get better at this. Maybe someday we'll actually have a bump tune, but in the meantime, discipleship concept, com- Comment, content, concept of the week. Dun, 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 dun. Don't sue me, Mario. That's just part of the song now. Nintendo uh, is, is pretty known, well known for <laughs> cease and desist. So. I know. That's that's why it's funny. <laughs> uh, it's a melody line. They can't sue me on that. Uh, Wait. Oh, Katy Perry they fire song. They could try. <laughs> It'll be exciting. Uh, so we wanted to talk anyway, digressing. We talk about connecting people to relationship with Christ. Um, so expand upon this, Rob, if you will, if you so desire. Oh, you're fishing. You want that Spurgeon quote, don't you? I, I want the Spurgeon quote. Okay. You know, I, I just yeah. realized that my phone was in my pocket and, and uh, 
So he I goes fishing for his phone here because there's a, a quote by Charles Spurgeon that you found after the sermon. Yeah, I'm like, where was Charles Spurgeon when I was getting ready for the sermon? You know, I mean, dude's dead. He should have been around. Um, a Spurgeon is never late. Yeah. He arrives precisely when he intends to. Yes, he does. Uh, he said this oh, many moons ago, I may know all the doctrines of the Bible, but unless I know Christ, there is... Uh, this wasn't when I was going to bring this up, yeah. Uh, but unless I know Christ, there is not one of them that can save me. So, I mean, all the doctrines of the Bible, but if, unless I know Christ, there's not one of them that could save me. And uh, this this quote just kind of, I thought summarized the, the message well. Spurgeon, what Spurgeon is not saying is that um, that doctrine doesn't matter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's not saying doctrine, like Spurgeon was pretty big on, on doctrine. Sure. Which is what we saw in the passage from Paul. Yeah. Like Paul, yeah, Paul's totally, like he writes a lot about doctrine, and we're going to talk about this more in a bit. But the point of this was relationship. Right. So connecting, we should be focusing on how do we connect people into relationship with Christ? Because that, and that was your main takeaway from the sermon was you need to be in relationship with Christ. That's where everything starts for us. So if we're going to disciple people, we have to be intentional. We have to have a game plan for how do I connect person A with Christ? Because if I'm discipling person A, then I need to get them through that step. Well, and I I feel like when I talk to people about sharing their testimony, you know, they feel what I hear from them oftentimes is that they feel that they don't know enough about the Bible to talk about the Bible. Sure. And I'm like, well, what about your relationship? What is God doing in your world? What is he doing in your life? Can you talk about that? Yeah. And all of a sudden their eyes get big, like, oh, I, I can't talk about that, you know? Sure. And so if you've walked with Christ for for a long season, you know what it looks like to pursue him, to pray to him, to have him answer questions through the scriptures or through other people or through circumstances. You know what that looks like and to be able to pass that along to someone who's just learning what it looks like to be in a relationship with Christ is so valuable. Sure. Well, and if you're going to wait, or not even if you are going to wait, but if, if it was dependent upon you or I knowing enough to be able to connect somebody with Christ. I, I'd i be waiting a long time before I connected a person to Christ. Like, that's going to take so long for me to know enough. I, I don't know if I'll ever feel like I know enough. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. Like the, God is constantly revealing the more... You, you could spend your entire life studying the Bible, and people do spend their entire lives studying the Bible, and God is constantly revealing more. There's always more depth there. That's what, like, he's an infinite God. You're never going to have it all figured out. And so to say, oh, well, I I don't know enough, or I, I have to wait until I know enough, or feel comfortable. No, no, no. You just need to dive in and start sharing your relationship, because you know that, and you can get them to the point where you're at. Yep. And that's all we're asked to do. Now that needs to be done within context. And so we should be discipling each other. We sh- This sh- should be done in community. In other words, um, 
my relationship with Christ should be based upon what we see in the scriptures and how that lives out should be based upon what we see in the scriptures. And it's not up for like personal interpretation. Yeah. That's not what, yeah, that's not what we're saying. And so we need each other to have perspective. I need other guys and gals in my life to speak truth into my life from the scriptures, from their, their own relationship with God, you know, and it helps me, you know, as, as a pastor, I, I seek the counsel of other pastors, you know, sure. when it comes to pastoral things. But there's guys that I talk to about guy things, you know, and, and this is what this is where I'm wrestling in my relationship with God as a as a human being, as a man, you know, and, and I still have those ongoing conversations, even though I'm a paid professional. Sure. Yeah, that's 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 a definite Definite necessary, um, but that's a that's a good uh, that's a good discipleship moment right there. And there's some people that they just they have parts of their relationship with God. When I watch it, I go, "Oh wow, they have a better understanding of what that looks like." Um, you can know, learn something from them. Yeah, about this, sure. Yeah, the way our friend Marty Solomon connects with the Lord is different than the way I connect. And there are some design differences. We're, we're different human beings. We have mm-hmm. different likes and temperaments and those kinds of things. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. And some people just gravitate towards certain parts of relationship better than, than other people. And so by looking at what other people do and, and surrounding yourself by other godly people pursuing the same thing, Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a good thing. For sure. For sure. So there you have it. Connecting people with relationship to Christ. There's your discipleship content for the week. Speaking of content... Don't sue me. Speaking of content, we didn't cover all of chapter three last week. Nope, nope. There was uh, There was a lot to chapter three. And I think you did. I didn't think that you you needed to necessarily cover it all, uh, but the one portion that you didn't, uh, verses seventeen through four, verse one, we thought might be some great footnotes fodder. Yeah. Uh, do you want me to read it? Let's do it. Yeah. All right. So starting in chapter three, verse seventeen. Hmm. <laughs> Brothers, join in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many, of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. And they glory in their bellies. Hmm. Hmm. That's so good. 
Yeah, they um, their God is their belly. They glory in their shame, and um, you know it's just we have seen some people walk away from from the faith. I I've seen addiction be um, a primary cause for this. I've seen um, differences in you know where someone just kind of. Well, there's a maybe a, a, a different kind of sin, maybe a, maybe a relationship that it becomes significant in their life, and that relationship kind of seems to drive the story of their lives, and and and, and it draws them away from the church for for a season, or or maybe even forever. I've seen both of those things take place, uh, and it's. it's um, it's tough to watch. Tough to watch someone that who was part of the body of Christ, you know, just kind of choose to do their own thing, and mm-hmm. and and it's almost uh, it's always kind of been a reminder to me of kind of what the that the end result like like initially you think you're in control of the the slippery slope, but then the slippery slope takes over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's what Paul's talking about here. Sure, he's well. He's also this whole section. He's been mentioning the Judaizers, right? Which you you alluded to in the sermon. Uh, just as a quick recap, those are the ones that are when they they had the council. The Judaizers are saying that all of the Gentile believers that are coming into the church have to become Jewish. Right. They have to take on circumcision. They need to live out mitzvah maaseh haterah the the works of the law that make you culturally Jewish. Yeah. Um that they they have to become oh what do they call it? There's a the term when oh, you, uh it's not Theosebes. It starts with a P, doesn't it? Oh well, uh they become children of Abraham. Yeah. Yeah. There's proselytes? A, prosel- I, I think proselyte yeah. proselyte yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean to them at that point they are Jewish. Yeah. Yeah, they become proselytes. But the, this is the Judaizers. And so Paul, is he's been referring to them throughout this section of the letter, throughout this vignette. I don't. Did you say vignette in the I, sermon? I think I forgot to say vignette. Ugh. Add that to the shortcoming list. <laughs> v for vignette. V for vignette. Uh, oh, I like that. That's nice. Uh, so yeah, um, in this vignette, Paul mentions the Judaizers a lot, and he's putting this into context, which if you have a church in Philippi that's full of Gentiles, that's probably going to attract a lot of Judaizer attention. Makes sense that he would be addressing this, Mm. and that they've probably run into this, if not are going to run into this. I almost think that Paul's addressing here, though, a different subgroup, or like there's... Like you got those that would call you towards a religiousosity that doesn't really speak of a relationship mm. you know like uh, a religious zeal that uh, on the surface seems good but when you really get to it doesn't necessarily mean you have a deeper relationship sometimes religious zeal does come from a, a deep abiding relationship and that I think that's different but I think Paul's talking about something different here when he says, their God is their belly. Isn't this the? Isn't this their? They're worshiping themselves. 
well, this to me, this is their their God is the way they consume their their God is their their desires their yeah their mm. desires what they it's al- for. it's almost back to Genesis three. Did God really say? Oh, you know. Okay, okay. Um, I could see that. You know, to where, you know, what's the difference between a human, a human and an animal? An animal. Oh, that's Genesis two. Genesis two doesn't yeah. say no to its. Doesn't say no to its desires. Man has the ability to say that's enough. That's enough. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, and and Paul's saying there's some that their desires are controlling mm-hmm. them. Because I saw this more as like especially with, with Philippi, um, you know, he's talking about the people that, that don't want to give up Rome, don't really want to give up being Romans and the Roman way of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially, you know, it says, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Um, and I find the cross reference there, they're pretty interesting. Because, um, hmm. you know, you could easily just say enemies of Christ. That's good. Um, but enemies of the cross of Christ is kind of the opposite. Where, you know, to Rome, the enemies of the state were the people that got the cross. So mm. it's an interesting flip there where it's like, sure, uh, you're not willing to be an enemy of the state. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Almost. Now, I, I had that completely the other way around in my mind, mm. which is interesting hearing this now. Because I, I was thinking, I'm looking at that through the context of the Judaizers. Oh, gotcha. Right? And so I'm thinking that their their religiousness their zeal for this, um, that they're, they're an enemy of the cross now. They're, they're, oh. they're not actually, they're not actually preaching Christ crucified, the humility, the sacrifice and saying, yeah, everybody's, everybody's good. Mm. Like everybody's mm. paid for You're, you're good. Like everybody's in. Um, resurrection is not required. Yeah. The resurrections. No, it's all about the works now. Like you, you still, yeah. it, that doesn't really matter. Huh. You got to do the works. Huh. I think and, either and one of those, the, yeah. You know, I I'm think either one of those driven is by that dangerous. You know, like this religious zeal that's a void of, of relationship with Christ, or this irreligious zeal, uh, this pursuit of sure. Of, and the fact that it addresses both of these is—it's uh, kind of brilliant. Like, that's, that's, what, that's, that's what Paul's tasty. good at. Paul's so good <laughs> at like man saying two things at the same time. I always engages two groups of people. I always wonder if Paul's like Paul's up in heaven hearing us discuss this stuff and like reading things, and we're like, oh man, dude, this guy's a genius. And he's like, oh, that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant at all. What are you? How did they? Oh, I didn't realize I wrote that. <laughs> that's good. Or, or he's going, they're so adorable. It's like. That was a letter. Why are you stop that? That it was a letter. Uh, you guys spend too much time looking at this. I don't know. <laughs> I uh, mean, that's that's just because Paul becomes so important. Like we we end up glorifying Paul so so much in how much like he wrote most of the New Testament. Right. Not saying that we shouldn't, but uh, although I think the scriptures are written in such a way. That you could just keep mining and keep mining and keep mining, uh-huh. and never find. It's like know, God had something to do with it. Like it, oh. maybe some infinite being had something to do with it. Maybe I don't. <laughs> I, dare I say? Yeah, I read the scriptures just about every day. Yeah. I, I try to make it a daily event, and. 
every time I read the scriptures, it's a daily event. There you go. Yes. <laughs> Logan Daily Jeez. event. That's but so uh, I try to make an event, you know, try to do it every day. And I'm not disappointed. Like, I don't, I don't get done reading my scriptures and go, well, that was a flop. Yeah. Anything like the that? Lion King. Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> I'm going to ignore that bait. Um, I question in, in, in verse 18 where he says, For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. I, I, I kind of want to go research this a little bit more now, but is he, is he saying like he's often told you about these enemies? Or is this people that he's often told them of? And they're now walking as enemies of the cross of Christ. That's the original. The first time I read it, that's how I. That's how I. It came across to me as like, oh, these people that I've told you about are walking as enemies, and it's broken my heart. Yeah, and I, I'd have to go. We'd have to check how that actually breaks down. But that, that's a great question. But I, I think either way, uh, it, it, Paul just kind of represents what the right approach is to someone who walks away. Like, if, if we're not shedding tears. I, I think our hearts may be in the wrong spot. Sure. You know, there's, you know, I, Joshua Harris, we were talking about this earlier. Joshua Harris wrote a book, uh, I Kissed Dating Goodbye, mm-hmm. when he was 18 years old. And um, the ripe old age. Ripe old age of 18. And then he recently came out and, and had a documentary, and, and he kind of looked at the input, impact of that book and how some people. Uh, what their experience was, good. yeah, what their experience was in relation to that book, and you realize that maybe there were some other answers that were possible as far as having an approach, yeah, uh, to the whole dating scene. I just wanted to write a book, uh, like kissed dating hello. I don't know, I don't know how you do that. <laughs> the opposite, <laughs> I, I kissed dating hello. <laughs> If he's gonna go back on it, I mean. I'm. Oh, oh I I'm, think he. I think he. The the name the of the name of the video. It's on Prime. If you want to go watch it, um, I kissed. I it. kissed. Gabe. It's I survived. I kissed. Stating goodbye. Oh yeah. I'm, when you brought that up, Jacob, I'm pretty sure I read a book one time. Yeah. Which was like a play off of the I kissed. Stating <laughs> goodbye, and it spun it around the opposite way. Um. So yeah, we, I hi I five hello. I I'm gonna have to go. I'm gonna have to go dig through. I'm sure I wrote it down somewhere, but I, I distinctly remember. And it wasn't a very good book, so I wouldn't recommend it. But just to remember the name, nonetheless. Uh, but he within had this the last kind of, few weeks, yeah, he when this documentary they they did that about a year ago, two years ago, something uh, like that. Yeah. So it was it was a little time ago, and then within the last probably about a month ago. Right. I think we heard that he had since come out and separated from his wife and all sorts of all sorts of turmoil in his life and mm-hmm. he's not pastoring now and coming out as possibly not even Christian um or not identifying as that like it whole it, whole thing with his and you can if you're interested in this you can go look it up it's not hard to find. But the the reaction, I think, is what we wanted to focus on here. Yeah, of the, the reaction, reaction of different. One on one hand, you have a lot of people that are condemning him, and you know, mad and angry about it. 
And then you have uh, another party that's like, ha, feeling vindicated because they didn't like the book. Um, and almost, almost joyful at watching this guy go through obviously tumultuous times. And I don't think either one of those are correct. And and then there's a third response that I saw where uh, others were mocking him. Oh sure, and they were, and these were not these were people that I think would still hold to his original book mm-hmm. and the and the precepts within that book, and so they're so they hold to the precepts and they're mocking him for for walking away. Yeah, and. You know, Paul, I th- believe, has got to be a lot closer to the situation than these people are. Like, Paul seems to have had a personal relationship with these people that, you know, and so I don't know what's going on with Joshua Harris, and uh, I don't agree with his conclusion, you know, like, to walk away from Christ. Like, I just can't imagine walking away from Christ. Now, mm-hmm. I get frustrated with God, that's a reality that's always about my own heart. Sure. <laughs> In my experience, uh, and not his, like he hasn't changed. God hasn't changed. I change, you know, I, my emotions fluctuate, but, uh, at any rate, it's, uh, you know, for Paul to say that with tears, you know, yeah. they tells him about this. Well, and, and what he tells them to do after this, he doesn't resolve this by saying, and we should judge them or, or you know, fight against them. He just points them out, and he says, uh, their end is destruction, so their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, their glory, and the, they glory in their shame with minds on earthly things. He's like, they're focusing on earthly things. It's going to bring about their own destruction. You don't have to worry about this at all because he continues but our citizenship is in heaven so don't be focusing on these earthly things mm-hmm. yeah yeah you know yeah and remember christ is returning yeah you know and that and the hope of christ's return the expectation of his return should should drive the way we live I remember early in my Christian life, I would I would go, man. I hope I hope the Lord doesn't return today because today has not been a stellar day in in the world of Rob. Like Rob's actions have not been great, and I just don't want him to return with me in the midst of my muck. Sure. <laughs> and uh, but that knowing that he was returning was this catalyst for me to go, I'm tired of feeling like I don't want to return today. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I need to, I need to deal with my appetites. I need sure. to deal with how much I focus on the things that the world provides versus the things that God wants to provide. So yeah, it's a good passage. That is a good takeaway from that. So let's bring her back to Spurgeon. Let's bring it back and let's talk. Uh, let's talk priorities. We we kind of alluded to this a little bit because we we segued into the discipleship moment and connecting people with relationship. 
But let's talk, let's flesh this out a little bit more of what does it look like this balance between, yeah, it's, it's about relationship with Christ, but there's also, but it's not just that. There's also an ethic. There's also theological stuff that we have to chew on. What is, what does that balance look like in your mind, Rob? Hmm. You know, in uh, in any relationship, you got to figure out. You have to learn who that person is. I remember the the first few dates that Christy and I went on. My wife of today, um, but uh, she was testing me. I remember the first day we went on. We were waiting for a movie to start. And she turns to me and she goes, so, have you been to jail? Well then. (laughs) (laughs) And it seems like the next half, probably a dozen times that that, uh, we got together and hung out, she had asked me a a mic drop type question like that. And, uh, and, uh, you know, we've talk through something and and it really had to do with me getting to know her and her getting to know me. And, um, and so when we're, when we're discipling people, we have to teach them who Jesus is. And we may even have to teach them context. I know, uh, new, new tribes when they go into, uh, into a region that, where the gospel has never been presented before, mm-hmm. they actually uh, translate the Bible into their language. And while they're doing that, they get to know the people, and then they, sh- they sh- share the story from Genesis on, because there's no context. Mm-hmm. They have zero understanding of any of the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Well, the people that we're engaged with in our culture in our community and our churches there's somewhere between no context and some context yeah or maybe a lot of context but maybe a lot of wrong context i mean mm-hmm. sure um there might need to be some deconstruction oh right that's a dangerous word and so we have to teach them truth we have to teach them facts we have to you know jesus was a jew he Two thousand years ago, he was alive on Earth. He walked, you know. Yeah. Uh, he lived in Jerusalem or around Jerusalem and in Judea and Galilee, you know. Um, and so there's things that you, we have to teach, and we we do that from the stage on Sundays. We teach context, we teach um, cultural context and historical context, and sometimes we talk about uh, terms and definitions and. You know, so those things I think all all play a part. Um, but I feel like uh, some people, when they talk about God's word, the focus is the priority for truth is maybe out of balance. Yeah. Well, that's I think that's easy and very human to do. Um, I, I think each of us has a proclivity to either value truth 
um, or to value maybe the the relationship grace side of of, well, of this. or maybe valuing I, being right over truth. And I even thinking even facts. I mean, like some people they like you need to know these. Yeah. 400 facts. Yep. And and not even so much, like truth is valuable. There's va- like if I'm if I'm giving you all kinds of facts not a one of them are true about Jesus that that would be very devastating. Yeah, that wouldn't be any good. Uh, but, but yeah, the facts of you need a, maybe the apologetics approach to things of knowing I got to know this 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 this. Here's my bulleted check my bulleted checklist of knowing Jesus. Right. And and as as opposed to it's it's much more than that. It starts because you could you could give me a bulleted checklist of all the things that you know about your wife, but I'm would I and I could memorize them, I could commit them all to memory. Would I know your wife as well as you, or would you even know if she walked in the room? Yeah, no, I I'd, I'd have no idea if you didn't. Yeah, no, that's a great example. Okay, so you give some stranger a bulleted checklist about your wife, and that person memorizes everything about Christine. Yeah. And then she walks in the room. Would that person have any idea who she is? And then later you introduce him, and, you, and, she, and he says, uh, Christine was here the entire time, and I didn't know it. <laughs> I'm so glad you got that. Oh, that's where I was going. I was like... I never even knew you. <laughs> I never even knew you. Oh, hot dang. Yeah. Like, that's an analogy right there. That's perfect. Yeah. Like, it, it has to start with actually knowing and knowing who that person is, having a relationship with Christ. You, you have to start there. And from there, the rest of the conversation unfolds. The rest of, yeah, knowing all these facts, knowing all of this the truth and and the story and the context, all of that falls into place and it's all important. But without that center, like that cornerstone of knowing who Christ is, actually knowing him, actually having relationship, not just knowing who he is, but knowing him Mm. without that. Oh man. Well, and for doing good things, you know, Matthew 25, if we're doing good things, but we're not going where a shepherd leads, we could be doing good things that don't have anything to do with what God actually wants to do. I mean, God kind of likes being in charge. He is God. Kind of crazy. I feel like one of the harder things for Christians today, and that's like, that's me. (laughs) <laughs> too, uh, is is making space for God like that, is making space for, for what some would call spiritual disciplines. Well, and here's the and here's the difference too, guys. Uh my commander in the military used to talk about certain people being self licking ice creams. Oh man. And when when our Christianity is about our you know, saving us from hell, our our hell, you know, insurance, mm-hmm. as it were. You know, like, do you know Jesus? Yes. Have you have you repented? You know, yes. You know, have you been baptized? Yes, I've been baptized. Have you confessed? I've confessed. Okay, now what are you doing? I'm making sure that I'm still confessing. You know, um, like, it, it could be 
very inward focus. Like we're going to take care of ourselves. We're going to be this holy huddle and we're going to take care of ourselves. Mm -hmm. But that's not what Jesus showed his disciples. They were outward focused. They were always looking to the community. They were going further with the message. They were ministering wherever they went and lives were forever changed because of Jesus and his disciples moving out. And then the book of Acts, we see the same thing take place. Mm -hmm. And if people aren't listening to the Holy Spirit and responding to God and obeying and going where he leads, maybe we're just a bunch of goats. And, yep, Jesus is Jesus is around us, but we're goats, and he's talking to us, but we're not necessarily paying attention because, you know, we're goats. Sure. So um, I did want to bring something up from Sunday Sermon. Mm. Um, you know, I talked about in Exodus 20, uh, God speaking the ten, ten Commandments to Israel and the people out of that experience, which may have been very well horrifying. I mean, I, I can't imagine seeing thunder. Where's the... Uh, <laughs> seeing thunder. Oh, there, there it was. There we go. Um, <laughs> like the scripture says that the people could see the lightning and the, the thunder, and, and I may have gotten that backwards. My name said that you could see the thunder and the lightning. Like it's, you could see the thunder, yeah. but so <clears throat> mountain on fire, smoke billowing, earth shaking, <clears throat> lightning and thunder. Really, you should be finding, you know, shelter at this point. And God speaks the Ten Commandments, and the people say, Hey, Moses, I got an idea. Why you, don't you go talk to him? You what, talk yeah, to God. Let's, let's have you go do this. Yeah. And we'll talk to you, and we promise to listen. <laughs> well, yeah. out of that, uh, Moses disciples Joshua, but we don't get the sense that Joshua disciples anyone. And, and, and I use this term disciple loosely because... Discipleship was not a process at that time, um, so I, I realize i am got some political license going on here. Sure. But the history of the Israel, what we see over and over and over again is someone stands up and says, we need to follow God. And the people follow that person, and God does amazing things through one person Yep. that mm -hmm. says— we need to follow God, and I've been listening to his voice, and we're going to go and do what he says to do. Yeah, you got one person in relationship with God. Now Everybody else using them. Yeah, now the scriptures are telling a story, you know, for a purpose, so does that mean that no one anywhere at that time, no one else was hearing the voice of God? I don't think that's the case. No. Mm -hmm. So I want to just kind of like... I, what I wasn't trying to say is that that the Jews just got it all wrong. Like, we, we are here to dare. Jesus says sal salvation is of the Jews. Mm -hmm. Their pursuit of God for thousands of years has has benefited us. Mm -hmm. And so, if God can move that powerfully through one person and other people connecting in through that one person, how much more can God do? If, if we corporately together choose to seek God's voice, hear him out, and go where he leads. Yeah. 
That was a really tough question for the Jews. It took them till Babylon to figure out how do we pass this stuff on? Because like, you know, every, every time you read, like whenever there's anyone good in the Bible, a good leader, it's like a generation or two. And then it's all terrible again. Yeah, they were wrestling with this. The Jews were trying to figure this out, as Jacob's talking about, and that's where synagogue came out of. Synagogue's not a word that you see in the Old Testament, Mm -mm. but it was developed in in Babylon. The Jews were tired of not getting it right, and they were trying to figure out how to get it right. And even the Pharisees that we uh, have a tendency to beat up on, which we're probably a lot more like than we would like to admit— they their deep desire was to g- get this right, but I think maybe where they still missed the boat was there was still this sense that I relate to God through someone else, mm-hmm. and Jesus wanted to take out the middleman, mm-hmm. and each of us can experience God relationally. We still sure. need each other to figure out what that looks like. But, well, I think we have a similar question to what what the Jews were having to face in Babylon in in our age, in our time. Like, my generation, you know, aren't following it, you know? Um, Yeah. And and, and it's a a mixed question of, like, how do I reach the rest of my generation? And then also, like, how do I pass it on eventually? Well, there's been recorded in history a number of reformations and a number of revivals to where a group of people go, oh, we can all be in relationship with God. Oh, God wants to work through us. Oh, God will use knuckleheads like me. Sure. Oh, if we if we just respond to God and let him be God, it's going to be good. And and I'm hoping for a revival here in Missoula. I would love to God just to show up in this town in such a way that generations that come will go, man. That was cool. Not just that was cool, this is cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, better better verbiage. I love for it to stay. So that's what we're about, Mission Ridge. We're about pursuing God in relationship figuring out, learning who he is, looking at theology and doctrine and and definitions and getting our facts right and sure. It's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. All right. Well thanks for joining us on another episode of Footnotes. We'll catch you next time. Peace. Peace. You've been listening to Footnotes on the Mission Ridge podcast. For more information about Mission Ridge, please visit our website at missionridge.church. Thanks for tuning in. We hope the rest of your week is straight up hashtag blessed and that you'll join us again next week for more footnotes.